Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Tuesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host. And today, it's you and me, one-on-one. I'm answering some of your questions. But before we get there... Let's go ahead and give a shout out to another one of our awesome sponsors, and that is today, the Expat Money Show. Head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash expat, where you can join our friend Mikhail Thorpe, who will help you protect the money you worked so hard to earn from money cha- uh, ambulance chasing lawyers. There we go. Nefarious creditors and greedy, unjust governments. And he will help people just like you invest internationally, secure second passports and residencies, eliminate your tax bill, and take advantage of offshore structures so you can travel the world freely and never have to work about money again. Yes, uh, make sure you can eliminate your tax bill, especially with all 87,000 IRS agents coming your way. But our good friend, yes, Mikel Thorpe can teach you all of this and more over at the Expat Money Podcast. But also, you can head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash expat and grab your free tickets to his awesome virtual summit taking place November 7th through November 11th. Five days, 30 expert speakers. And amongst them is the one and only Congressman Dr. Ron Paul, that's right. So head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash expat and get your free tickets today. All right, folks. Yeah, it's uh, you and me on today's episode one-on-one. And uh, today we're going to be talking uh, about some questions that I've been getting in the inbox and on social media. We're going to cover a few of them today. I picked a few and I put them into a a quick little uh, slide here. We're going to go through. And the first one I thought was a good one. So I want to make sure I put it first because uh, it's definitely going to take up a lot of time, and that is, how has politics changed since President Trump's election back in 2016? Is this a good thing or a bad thing for libertarianism across the board, and why? Uh, So let's kind of start off, how has politics changed since President Trump's election back in 2016? We've seen, uh, and this kind of goes back to the, the approach that Glenn Beck really brought up in 2015, is that Trump became prominent in Republican circles because he was the personification of everything terrible, more or less, that the left would cast aspersions on Republicans, conservatives, uh, anyone right of center, more or less. And it got to the point, Republicans were were not so much worried about presenting someone who looked, you know, looked like they played the part. And that's what they did really with folks like Mitt Romney, uh, John McCain, and, and you know, someone even say George Bush, for, for, uh, for instance. But Trump was the antithesis to that. Trump was going to stand up and to, uh, I think it was the term, the Bubba effect, the Glenn Beck term, where he was going to be this big sloppy guy with the mustard stain on his shirt, and he was going to say what he thought, and if that meant going after people because they were be the ones going after him, or, or even insinuating they might go after him, well, he was going to at least swing the first punch. And this kind of goes back to this belief and, and it's a, it's a great, it's, it, I understand it because it's something that you've been wanting and you, it's great to feel this, this energy of Republicans, conservatives, and I dare even say libertarians fighting back. And that was the culmination of the Trump presidency in 2016. So how did politics change? We, we really had this split away from the traditional, there was two sides, the left, the right, Republican, Democrat, but they weren't that different. They more or less agreed on some fundamental basic truths and some principles, it seemed, right? Again, this is all the narrative that we saw going into the 2016 election, but more or less, you know, they were the ones in in control and power, and the country kind of went along to get along. 
2016, all that changed. Uh, it was either you were with Trump, against Trump. Uh, Trump was the end of the, the republic. He was a threat to democracy. Trump was going to save us. There seemed to be battle lines drawn everywhere. But it also exposed people for who they really were, which I thought was fascinating because you had some folks who were diehard, air quote, progressives, but they turned out to just be uh, shills for the establishment because Trump took such a hard anti-establishment approach. Um, on the other side, you saw some folks who just decided to tie their name to Trump because it was politically advantageous at the time. But fast forward to 2020, and were they as as steadfast as they had seen back in 2016? Not necessarily. So Trump and the election of Trump and his presidency, it really, it shined a light on not only those who were disingenuous in the world of politics, but also what it did was it, it made people have to, if not necessarily get involved, at least be aware, right? At least know that things were going on. You couldn't just sit back and, and chill for a little bit and let things just happen around you. It's kind of the old John Mulaney skit. The, uh, the idea is the horse in the hospital um, skit for those of you who uh, who haven't seen it yet or who have seen it rather, um, where he talks about you know him not really caring and other folks not really caring about who the president was before the horse in the hospital, Trump, because they thought that you know they didn't really need to because they thought the guy that was in the office was okay or decent and that was the problem and that that right there it encapsulates exactly what was wrong with our American political system and the electorate that made up it is that. A lot of folks just tacitly would go out and vote for whatever team they thought best represented their ideas without actually doing the research, without actually trying to get involved. They didn't care. They did not want to, to spend the time, energy, and effort learning this stuff on their own. So is this a good thing or a bad thing for libertarianism? I actually think it's a good thing, believe it or not, because it's forced people to start to at least get more aware and understand why they believe certain things that they believe. Now, are there still those out there who just go by the seat of their pants and float through life without really thinking or caring about anything in particular? Absolutely. And will there always be those people? For sure. But for the people who are paying attention, who are asking questions, I think this is a great thing for libertarianism, especially post-Trump, because now we're able to present our libertarian solutions alternative to Trump, especially when people had been so comfortable with just going along to getting along. Now they're seeing, okay, maybe this thing that we've called government is actually broken and we need to look at a different solution. Maybe that different solution involves some libertarian solutions, right? And with that, let's start to present those solutions. I think more people will be absolutely empathetic to those solutions uh, versus were they back before 2016. Uh, do I think more people will start to identify as libertarian in the future? Um, this one's tough because I, I go back to the, the Ferris Bueller idea of I don't think isms are, are necessarily a good thing. Isms, in my opinion, are not good. Uh, reason being is because once you become part of the ism, it's a lot easier to be uh, attacked and taken over by the idea of groupthink, right? And this is, that, that's why I just, I do not like the idea of collectivism because collectivism is nothing more than weaponized groupthink. That's what democracy at the end of the day is as well, is weaponized groupthink. If, if you get a mass of people all moving in one direction simply because that mass of people is now moving in a direction and once an object is in motion, it stays in motion, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing because if you're going towards a cliff, you want that object in motion to stop. So, do I think that it's a good thing where we are right now? No, but will I think it's going to be a, a more of a good thing as more people identify as libertarian in the future because 
they, they start to identify and ask more of the questions and see maybe I am libertarian. Yeah, I think, I think you will see, especially now that people are asking questions, that libertarianism, the ism that is libertarian, uh, if we will, that is going to be something that people will, in fact, refer back to. They will start to gravitate more towards. Now, is that happening right now? I don't think so. I think we have lost a, a great opportunity over the past four years. I'm not going to rehash old uh, wounds that I've gone through here in the show about uh, libertarians in positions of power from yesteryear, but we're in a good spot now to help reclaim the narrative. I was just, uh, as I talked about in my last episode, over at Young Americans for Liberty Revolution 2022 down in Orlando and talking about the future of liberty and seeing how the conversations are changing. More and more young people even are starting to go to these events and go to these conferences saying, I wasn't even politically involved two years ago. And now all of a sudden here I am starting to ask more questions. Now I think we could have done a better job back during the, the COVID lockdowns especially. But I think we're going to see that more people, especially now, are going to start gravitating away from the traditional GOP, the traditional democratic just go-tos. And we'll start to instead look at alternatives, be that libertarian or, or elsewhere. But I think we have a good shot to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about and show that, yeah, we've been consistently right throughout not just the past two years, but in many instances for decades and plus beyond then, especially when you look at what's going on with the monetary policy, hitting, impacting right now the, the impact on cost of living and inflation. You, we've been right on the, the impact of and the importance of focusing on the dollar and the impact of our, our monetary system as it pertains to the just skyrocketing costs that we're seeing, but also the impact on the role the Fed plays. So yeah, I, I think you know if we continue to show and, and build the case that we have not just been consistently correct, but that our solutions would have solved these problems where we listen to and now we start to help build trust with folks. Yeah, I think more folks will, in fact, uh, start to identify as libertarian. What are the key differences between conservative and libertarians? Um, this actually is something I, I was uh, I was not necessarily shocked to see as a question, but a little curious because I have seen more and more this kind of schism. I don't know, I don't know if schism is the right word, but a little bit of a split between conservatives and libertarians. And I, I don't, I don't understand why we're doing that right now. Uh, frankly, I think it's not a good time to do that. Are we the same? No. But are we on the same path right now when we're facing this leftist status establishment leviathan that we are currently facing? Uh, absolutely. So do I think it's a super important question? Not necessarily, but will I answer it? For sure. So what are the main differences? And I would say you're going to see a big difference between Look at folks like Tucker Carlson and Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton and, and look at instead folks like Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, Justin Amash. That's going to be your, your foil, right? Between what is an elected libertarian and an elected conservative in the small C, small L sense, right? So the conservative approach to governance seems to be and I don't want to mischaracterize my friends on the right, but more so government is an unnecessary evil in order to maintain some order of, uh, or level of uh, lack of chaos, if you will. Uh, when you look at what's happening in the, the conversation as it pertains uh, to you know, trying to maintain some social uh, standards, you see conservatives wanting to use government as a means to do so and to enact what is considered a moral good. And I, I think that right there would be the main area you see 
uh, a lot of the split, but also we've seen more of this split from an economic standpoint, where a lot of these more conservative-leaning folk in, in, I'd say, the more populist conservative camp have started to embrace more of a left-leaning economic ideology and the idea that free market capitalism actually hurts uh, the the idea of conservatism, social conservatism, and the ideas of what makes a, a socially con- a conducive society, that is really antithesis, oh, not antithesis, but it is foil to um, what you're seeing in the libertarian argument, which is you need to have a, an ability for not just the, the marketplace to, to flourish, but also you need to have the, the marketplace for people to disagree. And, and there will be a difference of doing things, and you should not have a one-size-fits-all state top-down enforced morality and, and uh, unless uh, there are just basic fundamentals that we have all agreed on, which at the end of the day we talk about from a natural rights standpoint, it's going to be don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. When you start to enforce beyond that and you start to enforce on other people's rights to then use their their own liberties freely, then that's where you start to see there, there seems to be more of a, a drawing of lines, I think, between the conservatives and libertarians, as there should be. Now, it's on us libertarians, I think, down the road to try to win our, over our, our friends on, on the more conservative side of the camp. But it's not our job to spend our time, energy, and effort doing so. Um, now, that's not to say I don't empathize with a lot of those positions. I just don't think we need government uh, government means to go ahead and promote the societal good, uh, or in this case, the conservative societal good that they're looking to promote. You see this done throughout other cultures without using uh, government as a means to doing that. Amish are a great example where they have their own uh, communities that they can go out, enforce a societal conservative approach to their, their culture, but at the same point in time, they're not putting forth some government force. Now, are there different forces? Absolutely. And are they all good? No, that's, that's not the, the point. The point being is that once you centralize that in one government entity, it can absolutely be taken uh, advantage of and utilized against you. So we don't want to put those powers of enforcing what is considered good or bad in the the one entity, but rather we want to make sure that's dispersed as as openly and and, and quite frankly, as a non, uh, non-hierarchical as possible. Let it go out and let people do what they need to do in their own lives without having a one-size-fits-all approach. Uh, and then the IRS. Oh, goodness. Yes, this is a good question. Is the IRS politically motivated or is it just bureaucratic incompetence? Yes and yes. Um, the IRS is, in fact, a, bl- a politically bureaucratic organization, but it is, in fact, politically motivated. And we just saw with the addition of 87,000 IRS agents to the agency here um, over the, the next few years that, yeah, that is going to be weaponized. It's going to be used against conservatives, libertarians, anyone right of center. Um, so again, that's why I say to the libertarian conservative question, why are we having this question? We have so many bigger fish to fry, especially when we're watching the IRS now getting more funding going towards pushing, uh, having more agents in their their ranks than the, the, I think it was the FBI, the, the Pentagon and the CIA. So strap in there, folks. Um, yeah, because it's definitely going after the sub-1,000 billionaires in America and not against the entire middle class. That's all 87,000 of those IRS agents. It is it's it is uh, politically motivated. But back to the other part of the question, there is absolutely bureaucratic incompetence, which leads to 
what are we doing? Why are we giving even more power to the IRS, giving more money to the IRS, giving more people to the IRS? That, that only enhances the, the political bureaucratic incompetence and the political motivations to then weaponize this department. So what we should be doing, this is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. The main goal should be to scale back the IRS to make it as small as possible and to, to frankly eliminate the income tax. We need to abolish the, the income tax tax, get it out of the, the constitution and, and frankly, get rid of the IRS. Um, the IRS is, is a just, it's a theft organization at the end of the day. And, and frankly, we are at a point as a society where we, we have, we have so gotten past, and this is another question I did not put in here, but with technology, we are getting past the, the means of government dictating what we can and cannot do. There's going to come a point where, where technology is, is advancing so quickly that government adaptation and response to technology advancing cannot and will not keep up. Government, we know, is inefficient, is bureaucratic, and with that, it has inherent flaws in its ability to adapt, to react, and to adjust course based on what's changing around it. That's why we talk about our solutions being overtly better than our government solutions that we currently see in place now because our solutions, when they're presented through a free market approach, can react, can adapt based on what's happening in the marketplace, whether it's changes in the marketplace, whether it's changes in what people are demanding, whether it's changes on the supply side or the supply chain, whatever it may be, we see that the marketplace can adapt, whereas government has so much difficulty in trying to react to these problems. So going back to the IRS and, and any government organization across the board, we should be going across the, the board and cutting and minimizing them to as, as small as possible. And I think that that pretty much is, is a, a you know, pretty simple answer there. I hopefully covered that pretty well. But uh, otherwise, yeah, that, that, that seems to be um, a pretty straightforward yes and yes. So uh, yeah, that's um, that's some of the questions I had that I, uh, I covered here from uh, the Brian Nichols Show perspective. Hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. A little bit different, obviously. Um, no guests today. And we did have a couple uh, hiccups here with some guests as we got back from Revolution 2022 to get them on the show. So don't worry. We're going to have some guests coming on here in the show uh, very soon. And also we're going to be doing some more in-person interviews here in the future. Really looking forward to that. And also I'm going to be doing a couple more events here. I'm going to be speaking over at a uh, libertarian event up in Indiana. I say up in, as if I'm not living in Indiana. Here in Indiana on the 27th, uh, hanging out with our good friend there, uh, Spike Cohen, once again, who I just got to hang out with down in Florida. So looking forward to seeing Spike here in the uh, the Hoosier State. And other than that, folks, um, I had a great, great time yesterday um, where I went through and I outlined Young Americans for Liberty 2022. Sorry there, I had to take a, a breath because my mouth was so dry. Um, but no, Revolution 2022. If, if you did not get the chance yet to check that episode out, please go ahead and do so. But also, um, if you have not yet had the chance to uh, go and support our, our friends over at Young Americans for Liberty, please do. They are doing amazing things. Um, I, I cannot thank them and their team enough for what they did for a great event over this past weekend. Uh, and I'll make sure I include that recap video here for you YouTube subscribers. So all you've got, you've got to do is click right there. I'll see you over there. Um, and then to your audio listener, please go to your briannicholshow.com uh, link there and your podcast catcher will bring you right to the landing page for today's episode where you can find today's episode. You can find yesterday's episode, which will also include uh, the link to the YouTube channel there as well, but also the entire transcript for the episodes. And oh, by the way, all 550 
55 plus episodes of the program. And uh, by the way, folks, uh, I enjoy reading all these amazing five-star rating and reviews I've been getting. Thank you so much to you guys for reaching out. Uh, I do appreciate it. I read every single one. And then also everyone who did send us over some questions for the Q&A today. Thank you. If you have more questions, email me, brian at briannicholshow.com. And uh, with one last thing, if you are here on the YouTube, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button and little notification bell. And if you're over on your podcast catcher, if you've not had the chance yet, hit the subscribe button and then uh, hit the little, uh, like usually it's an options button and hit download all unlistened to episodes uh, or undownload episodes. It'll download the episodes, all 550 plus episodes for the program. So you can dig right through and catch all of those uh, great guests we've had here on the episode or on the program who will definitely leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. So uh, with that being said, folks, thank you for joining us on today's episode. With that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today.